Welcome to the E Street Cafe podcast, the cool, friendly place for great music chat. Yes, hi everybody, and welcome to the best of season one, volume two. Um, okay, on to episode seven, and this this is something a little bit different we did because uh, when we normally talk to our guests, we tend to be on a Zoom type call, um, talking to people in America or, or wherever. Sometimes in the UK, but. Uh, we actually brought my good friend Howell Roberts into the cafe, and uh, I recorded with him one on one over one mic, two blokes, one mic. And Howell is just a great storyteller. And by his own admission, he is not the biggest Bruce fan. He is a Bruce fan, but he was lucky enough that um, the reason we asked him on a because he's a friend and he's a storyteller, but also because uh, when he was at university, stroke college, uh, he had to write. Uh, an essay or a dissertation on Nebraska, the album. And uh, Howell loves his films. So he's very visual in the way he describes things. But Howell's all about having a bit of fun. And um, <laughs> Rosie, for the first six episodes, is very nonverbal. And Howell was really trying to engage eye contact with Rosie to get her to talk. <laughs> and she was quite embarrassed. Um and also, we had a little bit of an episode at the end when uh, the dog, the cafe dog, Peppy, um, <laughs> was a little bit over-friendly. So let's just have a little listen what went on in the cafe that day. A very warm welcome to Howell Roberts. Thank you so much, Jeff. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be to be invited on, on the podcast. Um, it's great stuff. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, next bit of time that we've got together. And full disclosure, of course, normally we run a virtual cof- uh, coffee house or cafe. And yeah. We're actually live in the cafe here, aren't we? It's very, very exciting. And to be honest, it's quite busy as well, which it is. Uh, I didn't well, expect for It's dog-friendly today, it's, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is dog-friendly. Yeah, I'd, I'd say dog-over-friendly. Well, <laughs> Rosie is tapping me on the shoulder. Yeah. You oh, yeah. She doesn't talk very much, does she? She know. doesn't. She's no. she's quiet. Yeah, she is. But she has asked, would you like anything from the menu? I'm looking now at the menu. It's it's actually quite extensive, isn't it? I mean, there's some stuff I don't want, uh, but there is. I'd like an... Um, can I have a drink, please? Yeah. Yes. Uh, can I have an Amer- Americano land, please? And yes. I was actually looking at yes, her I am. to I'm, try and engage with her, but she is nodding. She's, she doesn't do eye contact. <laughs> um, and I'd like, I just want, um, I, I like the sound of a Streets of Philadelphia cheesesteak, please. Ooh, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Good. I think that'll be it for me. Okay. Well, Not, we're, we're close enough to the kitchen. We'll hear the clattering of the, that getting <laughs> that'll ready. Be good. So that'll, that'll be good. That'll be good. Well, let's hope that arrives. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> So yeah, that was um, talking heads one to one. It was. Uh, I feel like it was. Uh, what was it? A last Smith and Jones or wherever it was. What, what was the thing <laughs> we Two blokes, one mic. It, yeah. it felt very much like that, but um, it was great fun. And I think 
when we're in Gothenburg, guys, if we can try and do something live, that'll be that'll be quite good. I don't know what we're going to do, but we, we can try and do something anyway, even if it's just thrust a microphone in, in front of somebody's face and say, where are you from? Why are you here? What's your favourite song? What do you want to hear tonight? I don't know. We'll do something anyway. Keep that live vibe going, I think. Mm. Flying on the seat of our pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good like that. Okay. Um, so what was the next one? We... Dan, you come on, episode uh, eight. Well, we're up to, we're already up to episode eight, uh, yeah. which is um, our old friend Patrick Humphreys. Yeah. Oh, wow, yes. Yeah. And um, you you guys know Patrick. Tell, tell us how you first got introduced through to Patrick, both of you. Mike, can you remember how it started? Uh, well, um, I didn't meet him for a long time, but I, obviously I, remember the, I, I knew the name. Uh, from the, the 70s from the you know the music papers uh, he was you know writing and reviewing stuff and reviewing Bruce at Madison Square Garden but I don't think we we didn't get to meet him at least I didn't until his book came out with Chris Hunt uh, our, our late friend Chris Hunt in the mid 80s I think I, I think I met him around the time it was published um, 85 86 time because um, I remember getting the book and then he signed a piece of paper, which I then stuck in the book. So he never autographed the book, actually. But um, uh, and we have, in more recent years, met up with him a few times. But uh, mm-hmm. the first time must have been mid eighties, I reckon. He's a musical professor, isn't he? Obviously, his yep. job as a music journalist is to know probably more than you, Mike. Actually, he, he, he makes. No, I'm uh, sorry. No, nobody, nobody, no one knows more than me. <laughs> no, well, Wikipedia <laughs> knows yeah. everything. But, but no, I'm quite, I'm, you and Patrick in a music quiz. I'd like to have you on my side. That's for sure. I, I think he'd win, actually. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> he certainly knows it. But let's let's have a little listen to his memories of working with Chris on the on the book Blinded by the Lies. Well, somehow the word got round. There was this guy. Uh, in in the West Midlands, which is a place I, I knew nothing of, uh, who had this incredible uh, collection of stuff, and I remember Peter Hogan uh, from Plexus, and I drove up to see him, and um, you know it was Aladdin's cave. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> and Dan, Dan and I have said this many times. Um, how did he do this? I mean, this was not only pre-internet; it was pre-fax um, yeah. to get yeah. letters to America. Um, it was all those old flimsy air letter um, things, you know. He just must have spent every penny on, on communicating and getting parcels back from, yeah. I don't know, you know, New Jersey newspaper, whatever. I, I, I literally don't know how he did it. Um, and he never went to America himself, even more extraordinary. Isn't, yeah, isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, uh, he had this complete devotion to Bruce. And, um, I mean, that that was the... The selling point of the book. I mean, you know, I'm not being immodest, but I mean, it was it was the the Bruce files at the back. Again, you know, you have to underline this was pre-internet. If you wanted to know what Bruce played in Minneapolis on the 13th of July, 1980, whenever you know, you you couldn't Google it. You you went to the book, you know, and that's what Chris did. And I mean, my my you know, mine was basically a long introduction going over familiar territory, and I hadn't actually met him at that point or interviewed him. So it was largely second-hand accounts. And, I mean, you know, it's an okay introduction to Bruce, but the heart of the book and the selling point is that incredible research and dedication and commitment that Chris put into it, you know. It is like an encyclopedia, I agree with you. There's details of bootlegs, press cuttings, live performances, and I think it um, it blends very well with your introduction from, you know, the, the early days right up to, you take it up to about 84, 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I drew heavily on Dave Marsh's book and um, 
uh, you know, what I'd seen in concert. Um, but no um, first-hand interview proves me. I've done, I've, met, I've sat down with a formal interview for tracks. I've met him a couple of times since, but I'd never met him at that point. And um, no, Chris's stuff was just overwhelming. And I, I do remember, I think it's, I quoted in the book, I mean, uh, you know, we were coming very close to publication and you get these phone calls saying, well, you know, it's all my checkers of arcing and picture disc you're born to run. I'd like to get in there if we can, you know. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, global. Imagine. How, how he did it, I, I really don't know. So, yeah, he, he obviously, as we know, Chris is no longer with us, which um, he's been, what, four years now, four or five years he's passed away. Man. He was, again, just a, a musical professor, full of humour. And Patrick's, um, he, he talked about this Czechoslovakian picture disc. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's right. Having, having first had um, uh, Frank doing an impression of, of, of Paul Hollywood, we then had Patrick doing an impression of Chris Hunt. Yeah. Just, uh, we said this could, could become a theme with the, uh, the podcast. Uh, but yeah. it was lo- lovely to hear his memories and... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can remember the first time I definitely remember meeting him face to face was uh, he very kindly agreed to come around uh, to my my flat in early '84 before uh-huh. before the book was out, and we did a, an actual uh, kind of sort of interview for my fanzine, which we were both very nervous about. I remember at the time because neither of us had really done anything much like that, and then it was great relief when we said, um, "Should we just go to the pub?" Yeah, <laughs> and it relaxed a lot more after that. But uh, yes, yeah, so I think I remember Patrick arrived um, into the cafe for the podcast, and and he confessed that he'd already had a glass of wine. So that probably made him mm. loosey goosey as well. Yeah. <laughs> so good on him. Um, so episode nine, um, we had the privilege of chatting to Nikki Germain, who is the other half of the Gary Talent household, and. Um, we talked to her while she was in a hotel room in Texas um, whilst the band were in town. And um, what we see when we talk to our guests, we have visual, uh, as well, we have video as well as audio. And we were, we were seeing Nikki in this hotel room and I was just waiting for Gary to walk behind her with a bass guitar strapped around his shoulder. <laughs> but, you know, he was out having coffee with a friend apparently that day. But we had a lovely chat with Nikki Um for those of you who don't know, she's produced a book about the famous 1974 gig at Liberty Hall in Houston, Texas. And uh, let's just play a clip now, Dan, uh, where she talks about, I think you asked the question, what were they like as subjects and particularly photographing them backstage? So let's have a little listen to what Nikki had to say about that. It was an interesting experience backstage. It was They were um, pretty reserved and uh uh it was a you know bruce was very much off to himself he he sat in a chair with a guitar on his lap most of the time he did there was some meet and greet with some people that came in from some of the media uh but for the most part he was pretty uh in his own head and i i think that may be um sort of a pattern for him that he he's very um He's a very uh, serious person about what he does, you know, and uh, at that time they had a lot on their minds, uh, especially knowing that their careers were on the line. And um, so it was very subdued backstage environment compared to most. 
And um, I, I've mentioned this before, but there were there was a there were no groupies hanging out, girlfriends. Um, uh, there was uh, there were no drugs at all, and uh, and there was certainly it was a certainly big drug culture at the time mm. in in uh, in Texas and Austin in that area, uh, and there was. Uh, uh, and there was no no alcohol except for a few long neck beers, so uh, it was it was pretty subdued. I don't remember exactly how I got started when I started shooting, but I do know that once I did, uh, they were very relaxed, and I think uh, I think they felt pretty comfortable. I think they were almost a little intrigued that. Oh, somebody wants to take our picture, <laughs> and it wasn't like, oh, we were that. You know, they were they were thrilled. I think that somebody would be doing that. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be going back there, you know, day after day, but it just worked out that way. I think being a 26 year old young woman around a bunch of young guys was a very comfortable experience for all of us, you know, so I, and I, um, I spent a lot of time talking to Clarence and, uh, Clarence was so, uh, uh, much more self-confident and he was older, more mature. He had more life experience. He had, uh, had uh, been a counselor to boys. Uh, he had had gone to college. He played football. There's a lot of things he had done other than just the music. Um, so I, I, I actually heard his life story. It's great. Take a little of the load off your feet and listen to the E Street Cafe podcast. So Nikki, Nikki was a great guest, wasn't she? She spurred us. You know, she she spent a lot of time with us and. Uh, went into great detail about how she set it up, how it all came by chance. And that was a lovely conversation, wasn't it? Oh, yes. And it's, uh, again, an extraordinary story when you think that, you know, here she was, sort of just a, a young freelance photographer back in 1974. And who would have thought that, you know, all these years later, this beautiful book has, has appeared, uh, which, you know, kind of almost got lost, really, for, uh, for, for decades. <laughs> And, yeah. um, and just the lovely way that, that that all came about, and we really should recommend. You know, I understand from from Nikki that the the book is uh, uh, rightly doing really well, and it's a very limited run. So um, I think already half the copies have been sold, or something like that. Yeah, so people should should rush to um, um, you know Badlands in the UK and yeah. um, dot com, uh, anywhere else to grab a copy. And I think what she'll also be doing as well at certain um, European dates, she might be doing some book signings at yes. certain dates as well. So if you do hear uh, through Nikki Germain's uh, Facebook page or any other channel that there's um, – sorry, I've got to interrupt. I've got a dog in the cafe here. And, and <laughs> he, he's making a noise at the door because he thinks somebody's come in, but hasn't. Rosie's gone home. So I'm just going to have to deal with this dog. Just talk amongst yourselves for a second. No worries. 
<laughs> edit, 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 edit. <laughs> well, it just shows it's it's live, you know, like they say. You know, this, this is what happens. Well, I might leave some of that in actually, just for uh, authenticity and. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> the, the the overfriendly dog. <laughs> the overfriendly dog. Happy the overfriendly dog. Um. So sorry, what were we saying? We're talking about uh, the book, weren't we? And uh, yeah, book signings yeah. and stuff. But yeah, well, it's, it's great when um something like that comes out that you you never ever thought would appear mm. uh, the only book the only book of uh, that I could compare it to that was similar was um barbara pyle's book of the 1975 tour yeah uh which came out some years ago now but this one is is even more lavish and um i've yet to see a copy of it actually but i've seen pictures um and i will get one but yeah and it is incredible actually and as you yeah. say it's it's those those negatives was stuck on a shelf somewhere for ye- for years, you know, yeah. Yeah. and then they're now out there, which is which is amazing, and, and uh, deserves to to sell out. And I think also it, it's 1974 is kind of I wouldn't say it's a forgotten year, but obviously between the first two albums and Born to Run, yeah. Um, Barry Schneier was very lucky yeah. to take some photographs in May '74 yeah. at Cambridge Theatre, and um, that's well documented. But I think the amount of access she had over that run at Liberty Hall and the quality of the photographs. You know, as you say, we didn't really see that in that era. So that was very enlightening. Okay. It's just capturing this moment in time as has as been highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. Literally on the cusp of being discovered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 10, this is where me and you teamed up, uh, Mike. And, yes. Uh, we had our good friend, Mark Ribbler, uh, who is uh, chief protagonist if you like, with little Stephen and the Disciples of Soul. And um, yeah. we, we had a lovely chat with him. And we set this up really in, in such a way. I think you, you had lots of questions, which was great. You, you know Mark probably a little better than me. But um, as I just mentioned, what we do is we tend to have um, a situation where we're looking at each other on video. So mm-hmm. we, we log on and there's myself, uh, Mike, and Mark on video. And then what happens is that um, Mark is unsure whether the video is going to go out. So yeah. we have a little joke about um, what we're wearing. Yeah. And let's have a little listen to this clip from Mark. Um, so today's guest is Mark Ribbler. He's a songwriter, singer, musical director, slash producer. Not only is Mark producing his own solo work, but he was also highly influential in helping little Stephen resurrect the Disciples of Soul after more than 20 years. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Good to see you guys. Or, yeah, or here, is this, is this just audio uh, when when uh, when it airs, or is it? We are recording audio, but uh, yeah. you, me, and Mike can see each other. But the the video will never see light of day. I like your pajamas, Mike. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're making a dangerous assumption there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, I can't tell if Mike's wearing anything underneath the screen. He may not even have his pajama bottoms. We'll, we will never know. <laughs> <laughs> so he really was a little uncertain what was going I know. on. Yeah. <laughs> but he recovered it well. And um, we still don't know to that day what you were wearing under the table, Mike. But um, I assume I it was your. It was, it was nothing, actually. No. <laughs> you could have left an air of mystery there. You could have said that's yeah, for me to know and everybody to find out. Yeah, <laughs> too much information. It was a great <laughs> chat. I mean, he was, he's a lovely guy. I mean, we we Dan and I got in touch with him immediately after that very first gig by the New Disciples in 2016. We did, and uh, you know, I I 
interviewed him several times and and followed and reported on the disciples tours and and albums for backstreets all the way through that period and, and they kept in touch with him uh in fact i was in touch with him the other day and and um you know he, he's a very nice guy he's, he, he remembers things yes correct correctly in detail and, and and dates and god knows what else and he he's he's just fascinating to talk to and and he's been very he's been very lucky over the last few years as well in in that they've had you know some special guests on stage as well yeah only about peter wolf being on stage and what a great performer he is and yeah. obviously he talks as well about um uh, bruce joining them on stage and also talked about Paul McCartney. So, you know, yep. playing with Bruce, Paul McCartney, Peter Wolf, with the Disciples, it, it, it's it's great. And he is he's a great songwriter as well. You know, he also talks in that episode yep. about some of his early songwriting and some of the bad luck he had with the record companies when they dropped yep. all the new artists and stuff. So, yeah, I thought Mark was a great um, a great guest to have on board. And again, you know, like Nikki, Nikki said to us, Nikki Jermaine said to us, look we'll hook up when you're in town we'll hook up and have a coffee mark said we'll hook up we'll have a beer we'll have something and we'll have a chat and it's just nice that we now see a lot of these guests as our friends you know friends of the podcast friends of us and you know nothing is too much trouble to get these guys to talk about their musical journey and and uh, we hope that everybody at home has been listening and enjoying what they have to say So towards the end of season one, episode 11, we decided we're going to talk about fanzines. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dan, we had uh, Paul Limbrick on, didn't we? Who, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dan uh, ran a fanzine called Point Blank. I ran one called Rendezvous, very briefly, I must add. And Paul Limbrick uh, ran one called Jackson Cage. So me, Dan and Paul got together, uh, all based here in the UK. And we had a little chat about how we put these things together more than 40 years ago. And, uh, well, let's just have a little listen to how we made it happen before the age of the internet and graphic design. I don't know about you, Paul. Tell us about how you put your fanzine together. I'm looking at issue number four here now in front of me. Oh, please don't. (laughs) That's a Donna Fenton photograph. I remember that. Yeah. Suitably credited along the side as well. Handwritten, can I say, uh, as well, okay. which I think is authenticity. And the good thing is as well is that the staples in my – the three staples down the side are now rusted. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's always yeah, a good yeah. sign. That, that's how you know it's a real vintage copy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, the thing that we would all, all remember most fondly is um, how Holly was so generous with all her photos and reports. And the thing that was always remarkable to me – 
I'd have a letter from Holly, um, been to see this show and photos of photos, and I would put that in the fanzine. And then you guys would do it as well. But it was always <laughs> different. It wasn't it wasn't like, oh, here it is for the fourth or fifth time. There was it was just almost a different review, but they were the same shows and and that was tremendous. Where would we have been in fanzine world without dear old Holly? Um, I don't know. Yes. We've gone from that, as you say, you know, forty forty plus years ago to um, embracing, you know, streaming and podcasting, which is the you know the twenty first century equivalent. Yeah, that's right. And I think also one thing in that episode, which we didn't play in that clip, but Paul mentioned a, a chap called Pete Harris. Um, and Pete, uh, I don't know how we describe him. He, he was a DJ. Um, he was a cheeky chappy, shall we say? Definitely. Who in 1975, just decided, well, I can do this, I can do that, and what have I got to lose? And we're we're going to well, we have we've already recorded an episode with Pete. And that will be, I'm not sure which episode it will be, but it will be coming your way very, very soon. And, and Pete is a character, to say the least. And, um, well, let's just drop a little um, teaser in there, shall we, Dan? Let's just say he got to party with Bruce in 1975. How many people can claim that? And beyond. And also, when you listen to Hammersmith Hammoth, 75, just before saying to the city, this one's for Pete. And um, we're talking about. So we'll have Pete on in, in season two. So we've got it in the can already, just ready to edit. Um, so last well, one. I will just say one more thing. Um, yeah, sorry, Mike. We've all just developed from fanzines all the way through to podcasts. But the one thing you don't get with podcasts is Rusty Staples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which we talked about. We said Rusty Staples. You know, for those people who keep their fanzines in the garage yeah or in a loft then yeah you dig them out now and if you've got rusty staples i think they're worth more than the clean staples and i <laughs> i got a you know i got a taste of um the fanzine producer's life because i didn't i wasn't producing anything around the time you guys were but in the 90s i did several um cut and paste things lecture set and everything um yeah. with relation to duke's tours and bruce tours and i did probably my most well-known one is uh, for the duke's 1992 uk tour and it's 24 pages and it was all cut and paste lecture set took god god knows how many hours and days and weeks and months to get together and dan dan remember this well because he types the stuff out for me for that and so i know exactly what it feels like to you know produce um one of those one of those efforts and and what it took in those days a lot more labor intensive that's for sure because oh, yeah. now, you know um putting a podcast together effectively is you get your guest you record it for an hour or so yeah. take maybe two hours max editing it and then put it out that's it you know it's it's done and dusted but uh yeah producing something as long-winded as a fanzine with letter sets and oh, staples and yeah it, it it was it, it was a joy to do and hand, hand uh, collating it all, you know. I remember doing yeah. that. Yeah. So um, the finale. Well, it was you guys. You know, we uh, we talked to you guys in in Barcelona. You just finished night one of Barcelona. You were waiting for night two, and uh, poor Mike, um, because the the gig was up at the Olympic Stadium, uh, which involved a bit of climbing up and a bit of climbing down. When we spoke to Mike and Dan, to be fair, they were both a little bit, not worse for wear, but they were a little tired, but spaced out. Well, basically, basically knackered, Jeff. Yes. But yeah, I was being polite. I was being <laughs> polite. Right. You, can, you can say knackered; it's fine. 
Can I? All right. No, but no, seriously, you, you were knackered. And, um, but there's, there's a funny, <laughs> I just try to visualize, you know, when you're at these gigs and I, I have, I have a, I, I have a memory of Old Trafford 2007 or 2008 on the Magic Tour. And I put my lad who's now 28, but at the time was what, I can't work this out back because he was about 12 or 13. I, I put him on my shoulders during Promise Land because I know Bruce would come to the front with the harmonica yeah. and, uh, generally would just point at a kid on somebody's shoulders. So sure enough, Ash was on my shoulders. Bruce comes along, sees him, <laughs> sees yeah. him points at him. Um, but I tried to visualise how that would look with Mike and Dan. So let's just have a little listen to um, Barcelona 2023 and would this actually work? I'd love to hear racing in the street, actually. Done. I would love that. Yeah, I mean, imagine if he opened with that. But I, I, I don't feel I've heard it enough live for racing in the street, and and I would love to hear that. I'd also love to hear him bring back the '78 intro to prove it all night again. Never seen that, and I know he was a song in there last night for racing in the street, and um, I I spotted one for Jolie Blonde and Secret Garden as well. Oh wow! Okay, probably never, probably never likely to appear, but you know, it's uh, it's nice that someone. All oh. you can do, Mike, is shout your cause, and uh, you know he's picking out people on shoulders. If you uh, sit on Dan's shoulders tomorrow night um, with a sign, then um, yes, well that, that that's the end of Dan. Then if I'm on his shoulders, I think you'd be last man standing. Yeah, yeah not sad. <laughs> Don't spoil it, Mike. But we, sh- we should leave that to everybody's imagination as to why that perhaps wouldn't be <laughs> the wisest thing for Dan to do. Well, I mean, if I got on Dan's shoulders, he would instantly collapse. And if he got on my shoulders, my knees wouldn't take the weight. So either, <laughs> either would work. <laughs> yeah. Last Dan standing. Last man standing or not. Last, yeah. last man collapse, collapsing. Because we're now in a position here. We were we were talking um, after, that night after the, uh, the first show and, and wondering what we might get the second night we did get a few changes we got uh, my love will not let you down to open we got uh, trapped <clears throat> and johnny 99 and a couple of others yeah. and uh, but we also got uh, rained on it was mm. just like mm. and uh, anyone who went there will remember the, the biblical rainstorm that came down for two hours before the gig and i'd i'd had rain at shows before but i'd been dressed for it Whereas this, this uh, well prepared, but uh, Dan, Dan and I and all the other thousands out there, our friends, um, got absolutely soaked to the skin. And well, it- I could have given you a tip because we we were on holiday the other week, and and uh, Julie, my my wife, had been to um, one of these pound stores, pound stretcher or wherever, and bought ponchos for a pound. Yeah, yeah I know. That's, we- that's what you needed, mate. We uh, we took a chance because there'd been a forecast of drizzle, but they hadn't you know they hadn't said there'd be a, a, a thunderstorm in the middle of the afternoon. So we all got caught out, you know, and so we spent the, the actual show while we were watching it and you know enjoying it as much as we could. We were also slowly drying out, um, and the cool evening breeze that decided to blow through at that point made us feel even colder. But it was it was an experience, you know, uh, and uh, it was it was a good second show. And I think there's been a few wet shows, haven't there? The Italian uh, shows recently, uh, people got a bit wet, and, you know, there's even question whether they should have gone ahead. But um, yes. at the end of the day, look, 50,000 people can't be wrong. Everybody got in mostly, I think, from what I, I can tell. Well, 50,000 uh, 50, people can't be dry all the time. <laughs> 
Correct. <laughs> It'd be boring, wouldn't it? It'd be boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, that kind of gives us a wrap-up of season one, um, but we've already recorded uh, a couple of episodes already for season two. So, Dan, do you think we should kind of give a little bit of a teaser as to who we've got um, coming up? Do you think it's it's worthwhile, or should we leave it as a teaser? What do you think? We, oh, we, could, we could give a little clue or two, I would reckon. Well, we've already talked about Pete Harris, haven't we, and and, and him coming on. But we um, we've also recorded some. Well, we've recorded two more, haven't we? We've done uh, Elaine. Do you want to talk a little bit about Elaine and what she does and what? Oh, um, uh, Eileen Eileen Chapman. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I done that because she was being called Elaine by other people. <laughs> she does get called Elaine. L- luckily, she's very very uh, nice about it. But uh, yeah. Eileen, yes, Chapman. Uh, Eileen Chapman. Yes, because. Uh, her name came up actually in an earlier episode, and I forget exactly where. But we were talking about uh, um, maybe it was the fanzines talking about how um, um, they are um, stored and, and archived, uh, along with all sorts of you know Bruce-related memorabilia, at, at the Bruce Springsteen Archives at Monmouth University in New Jersey. And um, Eileen herself is, is a, has been a, a Jersey girl since the 1970s. And um, and a Bruce fan along the way, and again, just someone that I knew would have lots of stories from over the years, and lots of um, you know, she sort of kind of been there, done that um, in relation to so many, so much, um, much Springsteen history. And it's wonderful that that's has now been, you know, the the organisation has now been recognised as the the official archives for Springsteen and E Street history. And um, so we will just go from strength to strength. And, um, yeah, another lovely lady to talk to. So yeah, it was, absolutely. Uh, it was great Without giving too much away, uh, I think one of the questions either you or I asked her, what's the, her favourite or rarest item she has in the collection? And I was gobsmacked what she described. So, again, we'll leave that one for uh, everybody. <laughs> I'm not sure we need to get them out quickly because I think some of the feedback is, look, slow down, guys. You're going too quick for us. And uh, <laughs> It's, they don't go away. You don't have to listen to them on day one of release. So um, they're always there. And you know whether you get your podcast on Spotify, on Apple, or any other distribution channel, um, just please keep listening to us. And I think the other thing worthwhile, just the only kind of plug I will do, is it really makes a difference for us if you just go on and give us a five-star review, if you think we deserve a five-star review. Um, Follow us if you're not already following us. So if there's a new episode, it will notify you automatically. That's really important. And I think the other thing as well, as co-hosts of this podcast, we don't particularly like going onto the Bruce Facebook forums or groups saying, listen to us. But if you recommend us, if you go on there, if you if you are part of any of the groups and say, give this a listen, give listen to the E Street Cafe podcast, it's better coming from you than it is from us. So we would appreciate that. And that can really boost our listener numbers Spread the and, word, uh, yep. Yeah, spread the word, please. And, um, you know, we, we we always set out, didn't we, to say we're not in this for business, we're just in this for fun, <laughs> uh, the famous line. Um, but once we started seeing the numbers go up and up and up, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit uh, anal about these numbers, and I do look at them probably daily <laughs> at least. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it is nice if you keep listening, and it is nice if you give us nice reviews, and it is nice if you just spread the word as Dan says. So, um, so yeah, we will, we will plod on. We will keep putting these out as long as you want us to. And uh, I must thank you, Mike, for joining us and contributing on the episodes that you have done. No as worries. you say, the ones you featured on have probably been the most popular ones. Oh, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. 
no doubt. <laughs> so, he says. so he says, yeah. I, yeah. I remain modest at all times. Yeah. And Dan, I couldn't have done this without you, my friend. Um, you know, be, behind all the hard work, you know, you, you're, you're great at spreading the word on, on Facebook. Um, you're great at keeping me organized or getting me organized. Sometimes I forget one or two little things. So thank you for all your help and support along the way. And uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, we couldn't do it without you, Jeff. It was your idea and, and you, you keep, yeah. keep it running. So um, yeah. all power to you. All right, mutual backslapping back has now been done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you as well to you for listening and keep listening as well. And uh, wherever you're going to see Bruce this summer, do enjoy. And uh, don't forget, it might be the last time. So let your hair down if you've got any. Cheers for now. <laughs> thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit that follow button. This podcast was brought to you by Geezers in Glasses Productions.